Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. We do have a few announcements, as usual. Yay. Yep. Uh, on Wednesdays, Wednesday afternoons, if you guys are available, we do go feed the homeless. Um, we take uh, the reusable grocery bags, fill them up with groceries, and then we go out and meet them where they're at, to the camps. Um, and the food is a necessity, but it's not the reason for it. The reason for it is the food is a kind of a, a key for us to get into the door with them um, and be able to talk with them and pray with them. And that's what's really needed. Um, so that's pretty amazing. And if that doesn't sound interesting to you, but maybe you just want to be part of the people that are filling the bags earlier in the day, you can definitely let me know and you can take part in that. So um, it's uh, just an amazing ministry um, and very excited to be a part of it. It's with the church down His Love Fellowship. They're off the ninth in Calumet. Um, they've been doing this for a long time. They used to do a soup kitchen, and then when COVID came around, they couldn't meet together, but they wanted to continue to minister to the homeless, so they just took their ministry out to them. So that's very, very neat. I, um, I like it a lot. This I'm super excited about. This is the men's retreat. So I think I've been probably... I don't know, probably five or six out of the last seven or eight years, and I've yet to ever go up to this men's retreat and come back the same man. It just doesn't happen. Um, it's just an amazing time. So this is coming up um, April 29th to May 1st. So it's a Friday afternoon. Um, the, the kind of doors open Friday afternoon up there at the retreat in Fraser at 4 p.m. Um, and then we're usually done by Sunday um, by 11 or 12. Um, so... It's kind of a weekend thing, and it's it's amazing time. We get to hear some amazing pastors that will be teaching. Um, and this this year, the theme is all in. What does it mean to be a man who's all in for Christ? So, be an amazing time um, if you guys want to go. If cost is an issue, if that don't ever let that be an issue for why you can't grow closer to Jesus, let the church take care of that. So, just let me know if you're interested. And if you are, you can sign up on their website, RockyMountainCalvary.org. Um, that's where you sign up. And then if you put down what church you're with, if you write down the church in North Elizabeth, then they kind of all put us in the same room so you won't be with a bunch of strange guys. But it's an amazing time. Amazing. So. <laughs> so. Bring earplugs is what I heard. Yeah, bring earplugs, lots of snoring men, but it, it, you get over it. <laughs> Uh, the women's study, we're going to do a women's study. We do have the books in, so if you're interested in this, grab a book before you leave today. Um, that's going to start on Thursday nights. It'll be the first and third Thursday of the month at 6 p.m. here at our house. Um, and Shannon and the ladies are going to go through the 12 extraordinary women in the Bible. So it's a pretty amazing book. I know Shannon's been very excited going through it, so... It's just a, a good time for the women to get together, to spend time to, to talk. Um, you know, it's one thing to go to church, but you really don't get to know people until you kind of do some extra things like a, a women's study or a men's retreat or, or things like that. So, And since the women are doing it, the men are too. You better <laughs> follow in suit. So we're going to do a men's study. And this is uh, the same author, but he goes through the 12 ordinary men and he goes through the 12 men, the 12 disciples that Jesus chose. No one special, just ordinary men like me and you. So it's going to be a neat study. We're going to do that Saturday mornings. So that'll be the first and third Saturday at 9 a.m. If you guys are interested in that. The books are here. So the same thing. Don't leave without a book. The men 
we're just going to kind of go through a chapter every two weeks. So it's not a lot of reading, but um, there'll be some reading involved for you, but it's not, won't be too much. So, And then we're excited about this. We're going to do a youth night. And so, so youth nights we want to do Thursday night. <laughs> so it'll be the second and fourth Thursday. So when the women aren't meeting, we're going to meet with the youth. And what we'd like to do is go through the, the season one of The Chosen, but not just watch it. What we'd like to do is, is before we get started, we'll read through the Bible and what we're about to watch. So we're going to see what the Bible says, because not everything that's in the show is from the Bible. They've taken some creative liberties, they call it. And I think it's important to know what the Bible says and is that portrayed accurately or not. And then you can know what the extra is that they've added in. And it, Season one, we've watched, and I, I do like it, and I think that what is portrayed from the Bible is accurate, and that's why I feel confident in showing it. Um, and it's and it's not just for youth. If everybody wants to come, you're more than welcome to come. It's an amazing thing. But our, yeah, but our message is going to be geared more towards the youth and what's going on at the age of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, kind of that, that time, that area. <laughs> yeah, but it's not just for not just for the youth. Parents, anybody's welcome. So I don't think it'll be a neat time. Um, it's it's if you haven't seen it, it's it's good. Yeah, yeah. So um, so with that, happy Resurrection Day. Um, a lot of people want to call this Easter Sunday, and and we'll talk about that. But that's. That's not what the Bible says. This is Resurrection Day. This is the day that we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. And that's important. Um, this is what our faith hinges on. If he doesn't rise from the dead, then there is no Christian faith. This is all for nothing. So this is a, a very important day for us. And we'll take a minute and we'll kind of separate what the world says and what the Bible says. Um, so so let's, uh, let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the work you do in each one of our lives. I thank you for the way you guide and provide for each one of us. Lord, I ask you to forgive us for our sins, that you would draw us closer to you, that we would accept your new mercies each morning, that we would um, repent of our sins, that we would acknowledge them, that we would turn to you. Lord, I just ask that your word be spoken here today. Not mine, but yours. That you would speak to each one of us, to our hearts, through your Holy Spirit. That you would guide us. Lord, I just ask you would watch over this fellowship. Watch over each person in this room today. That you would bless them. That you would meet them right where they're at. You know what they're thinking. You know their desires. You know what they're going through, Lord. That you would just meet them where they are. That you would draw them closer to you. I ask you would watch over this community. That we would be a light and a witness to this community. That you would bless this community. That this community would be a light and a witness to our state. I ask that you would watch over our leaders in the community, our leaders in the state, our leaders in this nation. That you would bless them, that you would draw them closer to you. Open their eyes and their hearts to you, Lord. Bring this nation back to you. Lord, I thank you for all you do for us, each and every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, so, this is Resurrection Day. The world calls it Easter Sunday, but that's not what the Bible calls it. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And, and we end up with a lot of traditions and a lot of holidays um, that have where the Christian church decided to compromise and try and meet the world. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to live 
in the world, but lives separate from the world, to be a light and a witness. Um, another more notable holiday would be Halloween. Halloween got its start from the Christian church, believe it or not. And it was a time when the Christian church thought they would compromise and, and try and meet the world in, in a worldly holiday. And, and, and so they, they tried to mesh two holidays and end up with Halloween. And so that's what the world does and what the Bible does are usually two different things. And it's never okay for us to compromise our faith to try and meet the world where they're at. That would be like me saying, well, I'm going to feel the need to go minister to alcoholics. So I'm going to go to the bar, but in order to minister to them, I'm going to have to get half liquored up, you know, so I can be on the same level as them. It does not work that way. And the church is, is wrong when we do things like this. So I just, I want to make it very clear that Easter is a, is a man tradition. Resurrection is a godly biblical backing and it's what our faith is backed on this is a a huge day for us and for that reason without jesus's resurrection from the dead there is no christian faith so this is a big deal and so we don't want to downplay it you know we'll read through the the resurrection account and it's an amazing story Um, and it's amazing the work that god does but anywhere in here i didn't read about an easter bunny running around pooping chocolate eggs so just didn't see that so um and, and there's other holidays, too. You know, you think of a lot of our holidays, and it's partly worldly. Christmas is another time. It's very much like that. Worldly, but where the church has tried to compromise. And like I say, it just doesn't work. It's, it's like saying, I'm going to go participate in this sinful thing, and then I can witness to them. No, you can't. Because sin separates us from God. So when we choose to partake in sin... Now we're separate from God, and now we can't be that light and that witness to him. Because we're supposed to, Jesus is the light, and we're just supposed to reflect it. So we can't do that when we compromise. So it's, it's important. Um, so happy Easter, something everybody says, but I'd encourage you to say happy Resurrection Day, because that's truly what this day is. So um, now, with all that being said, the Halloween holiday, even before we became believers, we kind of chose not to really participate in that. You know, <laughs> I think Kylie was pretty little and, and Kennedy was, was very little. I don't doubt she even remembers it, but I can remember coming home and Kylie is crying because she saw so many scary things. Like, well, why were we doing this? You know, so there's certain holidays we choose not to participate in. You know, we feel that's how we've been led. Um, even more so now as believers. Now, does that mean we can't participate in Easter, you know, Easter egg hunts or dinners with family? Absolutely not. Easter egg hunts, dinners with family, promoting family values, you know, that's a time absolutely to be a light and a witness. We're going to have a dinner this afternoon. And, do it, and at that time, can I be a light and a witness to my family? Absolutely I can. So can I participate in that and, and still be a believer? Yes, I can. But just keep the two separate enough to where you can can explain it, can explain the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means to our Christian faith. Um, so the last few weeks, we've been talking about Jesus. Jesus is the, the Savior of the world. He's our personal Savior. Um, and we've talked about the difference between receiving Jesus in your head and receiving Jesus in your heart. And I lived for many years receiving Jesus in my head and did awful things. And it wasn't until I received him in my heart that my life changed. Um, the book of John, he, he's a very, John, or I'm sorry, the book of James 
James is a very bold author. James is the brother of Jesus, but didn't believe Jesus while he was here on earth. But afterwards he does. And, and he is very bold and blunt in what he says. And I think he kind of puts it best, this difference between believing in your head and believing in your heart. And uh, in James 2.19, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So what does he mean the demons believe? So the demons are fallen angels. So when Satan fell from heaven, Satan was an angel. He was a, a lead worship angel in heaven. When he fell, when he wanted to be God, fell from heaven, a third of the angels fell with him. And that's where these demons come from. So why do they believe? They believe because they've seen God. They know God. They believe in their heads. So, so I can believe in my head that God is real. And I did for many years. I believe God created the earth. I believe in Jesus. I believe in a triune God. But it didn't change the way I lived. And it didn't change the way they lived. So just knowing God or believing in your head doesn't save you. And that uh, can be a scary thought. But God doesn't leave us there. He... Uh, he is a very loving God, a compassionate God, and all he wants is a relationship with us. It's his desire that every single person on this earth comes to know him. And he makes that clear in Romans, in Romans 10, 9. And we'll go through some few verses here, and you don't have to go to them. I'll put them up on the screen. And then when we get to the resurrection account, then you can follow along there. And if you need a Bible, we do have, do we have any extra Bibles left? No, no we don't have so there's an app there is an app if you need that so so romans 10 9 if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved end of story not jesus plus anything else not if you believe in Jesus and you go get baptized, you'll be saved. No, Christ and Christ alone is where we find our salvation. And this resurrection story is so crucial to all of that. I don't think I can say that enough today, how important that is, that he rose from the dead, that he lived a sinless life. You know. So what, is this, what does this mean we believe in our heart? What needs to take place is repentance. And what repentance is is a, is a turning around, a, a, an about face. You know, we once walked this way, walked with the world and walked away from God. And now we've decided that that's wrong, that we don't want to live that way anymore. And Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk the other way, the opposite direction. I'm going to walk with you, God. Um, and it's not that when we become believers that we live a sinless life, but we live a life with a lot less sin. Um, So our foundation, our belief is very simple. It's right here. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he's God, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have eternal life. You have an inheritance with God. You share an inheritance with his son, Jesus. That's how much he loves you. You know, it's, it's an amazing concept to think about. Um, some other things we've talked about in the last few weeks is what does it mean to be the church? You know, we call this group here, this fellowship, the church. And what does that mean? And, and Jesus says that, that the church is also known as the body of Christ. 
And as the body of Christ, Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus leads us and we follow him. And, and we each have our own individual roles as, as the body of Christ. We're each called to do something. Jesus doesn't just save us and then leave us. No, he calls us to a purpose. And we each have a job to do within the body of Christ. And when we're all doing that job, when the body's functioning fully, it's a healthy body. But when part of the body isn't working right, it's not healthy. And it's all to all of us. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives that he um, has called us to, that he, he designed us for, that our, our personalities he redeems. Um, people have told me that I'm hard-headed. I, don't, I think I can definitely see that. And some people think that is a negative thing, but God can turn that around into a, a redemptive thing. He can turn that around, you know, if I'm convinced that God's told me to do something, well, I'm going to go do it. There's no changing my mind. So he can use that for his good. And he can use all of our, all of our, what we feel are flaws, he can use those for his good and his glory. And that's what his plan is for us and for our lives. Um, he's called us for a purpose. He's called each and every one of us. When we, when we accept Jesus into our life, um, he calls us for a purpose. And when we choose to submit to him further, he shows us more and more of that purpose in our lives. Um, and we'll get into what that means, that choosing to submit to Jesus. Um, it's not easy. Um, the book of Luke goes on to explain it, um, I think, pretty well. Luke nine twenty three. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my followers... You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And that's a big statement. There's a lot that goes in, into, that, into that verse. Deny yourself. You know, turn from your sinful ways, deny yourself. Um, pick up your cross daily. So he, he, he emphasizes daily there. So that must mean that that's not going to come natural for me to want to follow his lead daily and follow Jesus. Those are kind of the three things. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. So um, denying ourselves, what does that mean? That points to, we've talked in the last couple of weeks about this agape love, this self-sacrificial love. Um, and, and Jesus is the perfect example of that. He freely gave up his life on the cross. And that's what we celebrate on Good Friday. Jesus made it clear in the Bible that nobody took his life from him. He freely gave it of his own free will. So it was a free gift. He sacrificed himself. He took a place that we couldn't take. We would never fulfill um, what God needed to fulfill. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could fill that role. Um, um, this self-sacrificial love, we talked about this a few weeks ago. This is the same love when we went through Ephesians in chapter 5, where men were told to love our wives. And he tells us three times in chapter 5 to love our wives, just in case we didn't get it the first two times. And it's a, it's a self-sacrificing love. It's a, a denying ourselves, you know, deny ourselves, do the dishes, and follow Jesus. Deny ourselves, buy those flowers, and follow Jesus. Deny ourselves, turn off the TV, listen to our wives, and follow Jesus. It's a denying ourselves that we're not going to want to, the things that we're not going to want to do, we're to deny ourselves of that. I'd rather go do this. I'd rather, 
I'd rather not do the dishes. I'd rather not buy those flowers. I'd rather not spend time listening to her. I got other things to do. I'm too busy. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. That's what he tells us. That's the example he gives us. And we can apply that to many things all throughout our lives. You know, Wives, he tells, tells you to respect your husbands. And, and we talked through this when we were in Ephesians chapter 5, so that, that love and respect. And there's a book, and there's a book in this house, and that book's in this house for a reason. And it was by Dr. Emerson. You know, When wives don't respect their husbands, husbands don't love their wives, you get into this crazy circle, and some little, little thing blows up into this huge fight and then it gets repaired and then you start the cycle all over again and it's it's taking our eyes off of ourselves putting them on our spouse denying ourselves focus on our spouse's needs and following jesus and that's the that's the way jesus expects us to live our lives Um, you know deny yourselves wives don't argue but follow your husband's lead even when you don't agree and follow jesus and that and follow Jesus is very important because God is never asking anyone to follow um, your husband's lead when it leads to something sinful. That's not, that's not how this works. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow Jesus. So if your husband is leading you to something sinful, no, you're not to follow that. We're not to fall into sin. But if it's not sinful and you don't agree with it, you're still supposed to follow. And that's not easy. And we talked about the, the submitting a few weeks ago. But before the wives are told to submit to the husbands, you're told to submit to one another. We're to walk through this life together, hand in hand. You know, me and Shannon are to walk through in agreement. We're not always going to agree. And, and it's never where I lord over her and tell her this is how it is. At least I try not to. That might happen at times, but <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> but it's to be, we're to live a life of example. Men were absolutely to live a life of example for our families. We're to, to be in the Word daily. We're to pray daily. Our families are watching when we go through stressful times, how do we react? And it's not that we have to react perfectly. We're going to make mistakes. But when we make mistakes, when I lose my temper with my children, do I go ask them for forgiveness? When I lose my temper with my wife, do I go and ask her for forgiveness? Do I humble myself? That's denying myself, picking up my cross, humbling myself, and following Jesus. You know, I, I can think of a time out on a job site with a, another company and, and I'm arguing and we're yelling at each other <laughs> and we walk back to our pickups and we got to walk by mine first. And in the back of my pickup is a Grace FM sticker, you know, the radio station sticker. And he looks up and sees that and I, he's walking from me. So I know he sees that sticker and right away I'm convicted doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. You know, I'd go back and say, oh, this is what the contract says. You're completely in the wrong. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. At that point in my life, I lost my witness. I'm no longer acting like a Christian because it's all about me. Oh, but even though I'm right, even though I, I can read you the letter of the law, I'm absolutely right. It does not matter. I should never have lost my temper. I should never have yelled. So what do I have to do? <laughs> I have to humble myself. I have to call him up later and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I should not have acted that way. Please forgive me, which I do not want to do because number one, he was in the wrong. <laughs> so, but that's what it means. It's this denying ourselves. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. Deny ourselves, pick up our cross, do those things that we don't want to do and follow him. And it's very important. This is, this is a, a foundational tool in our faith. And we've kind of been going over that the last few weeks. 
what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Um, you know, like I said, Jesus never leads us into sin. But in fact, the Bible says the opposite. God always shows us an escape, a way out. And I can think through my life, all the sinful things I did, yes, there was always an escape, always a way out. God always showed me how to, to get away from that. Um, and it was my choice whether I took it or not. That was a choice that I made. So um, children, we talked about this, you know, deny yourselves, don't argue, but obey and honor your parents and follow Jesus. You know, and that's not an easy thing to do. You know, I can remember being, well, I can remember being like 8, 10, 13 and arguing with my parents constantly. You know, that hard-headedness that I've been told I have came out. <laughs> but it was a choice and it could have been a choice back then for me to deny myself, not argue with my parents, obey them and follow Jesus. And the Bible made it clear. We went over this, that this is the first command with a promise. If you follow this, if you honor and obey your parents, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. That's a big promise. That's a big statement. And God makes that. And we get to hold on to God's promises. And that's something else that we're going to get into today, what that means. Um, and the picking up our cross daily. Well, what is that? Why is it daily? And I would say to you it's daily because one, we're not going to want to do it. And two, it's because we're going to fall short daily and we're going to need that constant reminder. So when we fall short, when we miss the mark, when we sin, when we lose our temper, when we yell, when we do whatever it is we do that separates us from God, how does that work? Does he just leave us where we're at? You know, oh, you're in time out for a while. No, the, the Bible makes it clear to us just how much he loves us. And the book of Lamentations makes it, makes it even more clear that God renews his mercies every day. And that's an amazing thing to think. So in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 25, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So right here we read his mercies are afresh each morning and it's our choice to receive them or not. You know, he, he offers us, he offers us forgiveness anytime we ask, but he reminds us here, come to me each morning. And I would say to you, this is important. And this is pointing us towards, do we spend time with God and how do we spend time with God? And, and it's important that we read every day, every day that you're in the word, and every day you're praying. And I would submit to you, not just from this verse, but from other ones, that it's important that you do that in the mornings. The first fruits. You're supposed to give God our first fruits of our time, our talents, our treasures. Well, if I'm going to give him my first fruits, then that's going to be in the morning. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get my mind right for the day. I'm going to read. And if you only have time to read one verse, that's fine. I think you probably have time to read more than one verse, though. And the more time you spend with God, what you're doing is you're opening that relationship more. You're giving him more of an opportunity to speak into your life. And we talk through what that means for God to speak into our lives. You know, I have all these voices in my head. I want to know which one's God's. Well, the one that lines up with his word. And the way I know which one lines up with his word is when I read his word and know what his word says. You know, 
and we talked through too, you know, well, what happens, because not every thought in my head is going to be a, a lineup with his word or not. And we talked through Jonathan and his armor bearer and how Jonathan asked for a sign, you know, God, if you want us to go fight these Philistines, when we get to them and they say, come up and fight us, we'll take that as a sign from you. And if they say, no, stay where you're at, we're going to come down and kill you. Then we'll take it. that you, This isn't from you, God, and we'll go back. So Jonathan takes it out of his hands. He's got this thought in his head that God has led him to go fight the Philistines. Well, that could be from God or not. So he wants some clarification. And he asks for a clear sign. And that's, uh, that's what God gives him. And God speaks to us in many different ways. But if we're not in his word, then we don't know when our thoughts line up with his word. So it's very, very important. And prayer, you know, a lot of people get worried, well, what is prayer or what's the right way to pray? And there is no right or wrong way to pray. All prayer is is just a conversation with your Father in heaven. You know, the, the Bible, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he says, Our Father. And that word Father there is the Greek word Abba. And it's translated more like Dad. You know, he's not a Father who's lords over us. He's more like our Dad. He's very close with us and wants that close relationship with us. And this is our chance to have that with him. Every morning we get to pray. So, um, and then whether we pray out loud or in our head, um, for me, it's just a kind of a circumstance thing. When I'm in my car by myself, I'm praying out loud. When I'm in a meeting and things aren't going right, you know, God, please help us. That's in my head. Please bring wisdom to this meeting. Please bring patience to this meeting. Please guide us through this. You know, that's all in my head. If I were to start praying in the middle of a meeting, that would be weird. And God doesn't do weird. God does things neat and orderly. And we read that all throughout the Bible. That's how he is. So, so every day we should be spending time with God, reading and praying. And now if you, does that mean, oh, if I don't do it in the morning, I'm in sin? No, absolutely not. If it's in the afternoon for you, if it's in the evening for you, that's great. I would just say to you that when I, when I take the time to first stop in the, middle, in the beginning of the day, and submit to God, my days go better. And when I wait till the end of the day, sometimes my days don't go great. And not that your days go good when you follow God. We have good days and bad days as Christians. And we'll get into that too. Um, so when we're reading God's word, we have, he tells us to depend on him. You know, well, what are we depending on? Well, he gives us all kinds of promises throughout his word. Um, the biggest promise is the, the promise of salvation. We just read that in Romans 10.9. If you do this, you will be saved. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. So we get to hold on to those promises. Promises that he'll never leave us or abandon us. Um, promises that we get to share in an inheritance with his son Jesus. You know, think about that. Here the God of the universe has an inheritance for his son. And he, by us being gifted, drafted into that, that family... By receiving Jesus into our hearts, we share in that inheritance. That's amazing. That's amazing to think. You know, not only do we deserve death, if God doesn't give us death, he shows us mercy. But now he gives us grace and he gives us the gift of Jesus and the gift of salvation and the gift of inheritance. So we don't get what we deserve. We get a gift instead. And that's what grace is. Um, and that's amazing. So, um, And then we're told to hope. You know, I will hope in him. Well, what does that mean? Is that a hope? Like I, I bought a lottery ticket and I hope I win. No, no, that's like a 50-50. Or I hope my boss isn't mad today. Or I hope, you know, things go well today. 
no, it was like 50-50 chances. The hope that God is talking about is a guarantee. It's a guaranteed hope. It's going to happen. That's the hope. That's the trust that we get to put into him. Um, so back to, to the resurrection. Um, without Jesus' resurrection, there is no Christian faith. And Jesus made it clear who he was all throughout the Bible. But I think the clearest, one of the very clear times he made it is he's sitting with a woman at the well. And she's there because in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, because she's lived a sinful life. And, and she doesn't want to be around the other people. And, and he makes it clear to her that I am the Messiah. He says it very plainly to her. So he is Messiah. He is God with us. Fully God, fully man, born of a virgin, born sinless. And that's important to be the born of a virgin and born sinless and lived a sinless life. He willingly gave up his life on the cross for our sins. He paid the debt that we could not pay. The penalty for sin is death, the Bible says, and he died, but death couldn't hold him because of his sinful life. Three days in the grave and he rose from the dead. And that's where we're going to pick up today. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. So Luke 24, starting in verse 1. So we read in Mark's account that the, the women on Saturday evening had gone and, and bought these spices to, to go anoint the body. And, and then we pick it up in Luke's account here. Um, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the, man, the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples that everyone else and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe. So I love this. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? So they go to the grave, they're looking for Jesus' body, but he's not there, he's alive. And he told them this, he told them it plainly. And they didn't believe it, they didn't understand it, they didn't, um, they didn't receive it. Um, you know, Jesus is risen from the dead, he tells them. So the greatest news of all creation, this is, like I said, what our Christian faith hinges on. This is it. The greatest news of all creation. And who does he give it to? He gives it to the women. So that's huge. It's not, um, he doesn't give it to the men. He gives it to the women. And not just this instance. We're going to keep reading. And because at this point, 
they are starting to understand that he rose from the dead, but they don't know what that means. You know, well, where is he? Um, so the greatest news in all of creation, and it goes to the women first. Um, and then they're asked to go and let the other disciples know. Um, so we're going to continue the story in the book of John. So we're going to jump over to John chapter 20, verse 2. So John chapter 20, verse 2. And we're going to pick it up where the women have ran back and found the other disciples. So this is speaking of Mary here in in verse 2. So she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. So the other disciple that's talking here, or the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. And that's John the Apostle. Um, he's the, the author of, of this book, the, the Gospel of John. He also wrote First, Second, Third John. He wrote Revelation. Um, and he refers to himself, never puts his name in here, but refers to himself as the the disciple who people who Jesus loved, or like here, the other disciple. Um, so when you're reading through this, know that that's John. So Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrapping laying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrapping lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures, that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. So I love this. God definitely has a sense of humor. (laughs) He allows it to go into his word that these two men were racing and that the other disciple, John, you know, who is the author of this gospel, beat Peter to the tomb. And that's (laughs) that's in God's word. And I love that. I think sometimes we view God as this overarching, overpowerful God that's looking to strike us down, and that's not the case. He is a loving God, and here he even shows, in my opinion, that he has a sense of humor. You know, I, I think of this as um, here, uh, was last year, the year before, we were at the Aurora Reservoir, and we're paddleboarding with some friends, and there's another guy that we're paddleboarding with, and we decided we're going to go across the reservoir and come back. And we're just going across, but now we're getting a little faster and a little faster. And there's no words between us. We don't say anything, but we're definitely racing. And, and we both know that. <laughs> and so we go across the lake and, and come back, and he wins, but he's shorter than me, so he had that wind resistance thing working for him. <laughs> but, but I think of it like that. And I think of, of John and Peter are, hear this news, and they're confused by it. Like, what are you talking about? You know, they're taking the body. What does that mean? You're not making sense. And they don't understand it, but they want to go investigate. They want to go see it for themselves. So they take off probably walking and then jogging and running. And before you know it, they're racing each other. No words are spoken, but they're racing. 
and they know what they are. And, and God puts that in here for us. And, and I think it's, I do think it's God's way to, to just show us his love, that he is a loving God, that he does find, he does have humor, that there is joy um, in heaven, that there is laughter in heaven, that there will be jokes in heaven. You know, so uh, the greatest of all moments um, I'm sorry, yeah, so in, in amongst the greatest of all moments in creation, God puts this in here for us to read, that these two raced and, and who won. <laughs> um, but at this point, they still don't understand. It just says they went home, you know, they, they kind of went home and, and uh, they went home. They, they're not quite understanding still what's going on here. What, what does that mean? I would say to you at this time, they still don't understand that this is a bodily resurrection. This isn't Jesus died and, and his spirit rose again. You know, that's not what they're talking about. This is a bodily resurrection. It's very important that we understand that because the Bible makes that clear. And, and the amazing thing is that, that everything that the Bible predicts, all the prophecy, it all comes true. And that's what's so amazing. So we're going to continue reading on um, in John 20. And we're just going to pick right up in, in verse 11. And we'll finish reading out through the book of John here. Um, so Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. But she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. So Mary has already been at the tomb once, and she's run back and, and tell the other disciples, like, like she was told to do. And now she's back up at the tomb, but she's still looking for his body. She doesn't, doesn't understand that he's really risen from the dead. So she's back up there and, and she's looking again in the place of the dead for someone who's alive. And she's already been told that, but she still doesn't understand. Um, and, and at this point here, you know, in verse 14, she doesn't recognize Jesus. And I would say to you, that's because she wasn't looking for him. She's not looking for him. She doesn't think that he's alive like he said he would be. She's still looking to go up and memorialize his body, his dead body, which isn't there. Um, so we'll continue on in verse 15. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go, find your brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. So again, the greatest news in all of creation, that he's risen from the dead, he gives it to the women to go back to the disciples. And now that he's not just risen from the dead, but he's alive in bodily form. And who does God give that to? To the women, to the women to go tell. So I think sometimes we think that, that women are, were, are created second or, or play a second to men. And I think that God makes it very clear right here. That is not true. 
the greatest news of all creation, twice he gives it to the women first. So there is no second fiddle. There is no, you know, women are created second. Women are, are lower than men. Absolutely not. God makes it very, very clear here. And if we didn't catch it the first time when he gave the greatest news to her that Jesus was alive, then we better catch it the second time when he gives her the greatest news that I am alive in bodily form and everything the scripture said about me is true. And she gets the option to go and tell the rest of the world about that, to go tell his followers. And that is amazing. So now as men and women, we do have distinct roles, just like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have distinct roles. And a lot of times we like to point at each other and, and well, I don't, I don't like what I'm doing. I should be able to do this. And we want to, we want to blur those lines. God made those roles very clear. And he does that for neat and orderly. That's how God works. He works very neat and orderly. We don't ever see the father and the son getting together and saying, oh, I don't like the spirit or I should be able to do this. And we don't see the spirit and the son talking about the father. They are always in unison. Jesus on his life here on earth always sought after the father's will, always prayed to the father, always submitted himself to the father. And not because he was lower. Our entire faith hinges on him, on Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's job is to point us to him, to guide us to him. And that's huge roles. And, and so we, we as humans look at roles between men and women as one being higher or lower than the other. And that's not the case. Look at the roles of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Very different roles, but all very important roles. So, so we'll continue on in verse 19. So that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and on his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am also sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is important here. So at this point, they had not received the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go from people. Not like we have the Holy Spirit today. We read in Pentecost that the Holy Spirit is a gift to all believers. That he comes into our lives, he leads us and guides us. And before he comes into our lives, he has one job. He has a job of convicting us of our sin. And our first sin is our unbelief in Jesus. And he points us to him. He says, you're walking down this path. You need to turn, turn back, repent, and follow Jesus. And he makes that very clear. And so, so this gift, now the whole time that the disciples are, are is Jesus here on earth, I would probably say to you, you, you probably don't need the Holy Spirit because they are walking with God at that point. But for these these three days in the tomb, this time that they're separated from God, you know, I can think even having the Holy Spirit, when things go hard in my life, when things go wrong, what do I do, you know, when I feel separated from God? And a lot of times my mind goes to, I need to solve this problem myself. I need to handle this myself, you know, and I focus on myself. You know, I let anger control me. I let other sinful things control me because I'm not focused on God. I've, I've chosen to do that. So, um, so, so Jesus rose in bodily form. He gives his, the gift of the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Um, 
and so that they could boldly go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and that's what the good news is, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Um, we talked talk last week that Jesus didn't fit into the, the religious leader's theology, so they found it best to kill him. Can you just go take her out? Thank you. So they found it best to kill him. You know, so, so they didn't see, the, the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus would come once as a sacrificial lamb and come a second time as a conquering king. And they didn't see that. In their study of God's word, and their theology, and that's what that is, you know, a study of God. In their theology, they didn't see that. So when Jesus didn't fit who they thought he should be, what did they do? They killed him. They didn't want any part of him. We read last week about how Lazarus, the man that Jesus rose from the dead, they decided to kill him too. Because of Lazarus, many people believed in Jesus. And they couldn't have that. So let's kill Jesus, and while we're at it, we'll kill Lazarus too, they say. You know, and so that's what they decide to do. When God doesn't fit their mold, they want nothing to do with him. You're dead to me, God. That's essentially what they're saying. And you hear that, you know, you, you, you hear that expression now. Somebody does something, oh, you know, you're really mad at them. You're dead to me. I'm done with you. You're done. I not, want nothing to do with you. So, but God... And I think, too, we think in our lives, when things don't go the way we want, when God doesn't work the way we want him to, much like he wasn't working the way these religious leaders wanted him to, you know, if he was really God, he wouldn't have allowed this tragedy in my life. If he was really God, he would not have allowed this awful thing to take place in the world. If he was really God, he would not allow me to suffer. You know, and so what we do at that point is we discredit him. We say, oh, I'll handle this myself, God. I got this. You're not working the way I want you to. And that goes back to what we first started talking about. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Those are the simple steps. But the religious leaders didn't want to do that. They didn't want to deny themselves that what they studied and what they taught was wrong. They didn't want, couldn't accept that. They didn't want to pick up their cross, admit they're wrong, ask for forgiveness, and follow Jesus. And that's what we're asked to do. So, um, so I think we have to ask ourselves... How do we handle those situations when God doesn't work the way we want? Do we try and change God or do we change the way that we understand God? And it's important that we change the way we understand God. God is the creator, the sustainer of life, and our savior. Um, God, I don't know why this is happening to me, but I trust that you will work this for good. Um, do we press closer into God or do we just plead with him, God, please get me out of this situation. Please get me out. You know, um, do we believe he has our best interests at heart? Uh, and, and he makes, again, we talked about the promises, and this is a huge promise that he makes to us, and it's in Romans 8.28. And he makes this to believers. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This is the promise to believers. Um, you know, the second part of the verse, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, he's going to work things for good. So it doesn't say that everything's going to be good because things, when we become believers, don't magically just turn around for us. Our life doesn't go good. Paul promises the opposite, that we're going to have trials and tribulations and, and tough times. Um, but we do take this promise that God will work those, those hard times to something good for, for his glory to something good for our lives. 
Um, you know, so when we lose our job, when tragedy strikes, do we stay there in that moment and dwell on it and woe is me? Or do we say, God, you know, I trust that you have something in mind. You know, my family's yet to starve yet. We're yet to, to be homeless yet. I trust that you have this in control. Um, and that's what we're asked to do. And that's what we need to do. We need to take our eyes off ourselves, deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Um, and lastly, I think I want to think about the times where God is silent in our lives. You know, like those three days that he's silent. He's no longer with the disciples. They don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, what do we do? There's been many moments in my life where I can see God working. And there's moments where I feel like I don't hear anything. You know, where's God gone? And it's, it's in those moments where I can choose to continue to read, continue to pray. God, I know you're there. I know you're working. I just don't see it. And I think he does that, you know, if, if he always used us and, and always was speaking to us, you know, it gets to be too much for me. It's overwhelming. You know, I, I just, I can't handle it. I need those times of rest and he allows that for us. But it's not that he's abandoned us or ever left us. He's always with us and we can always choose to continue to press into him, continue to pray to him, continue to, to read his word and continue to trust in him. God, I trust you have this under control. Um, does that mean he's in control of everything? No, he gives us free will. Um, I have a friend who, his, his girlfriend says, well, I, I don't, I'm mad at Jesus right now. And we ask, well, why is that? And she says, well, my brother's a drug addict and, and Jesus caused that. No, Jesus didn't cause that. We have free will to choose that. But as Christians, a lot of times we do say, well, God's in control of everything. No, he's all powerful and can do everything. But God doesn't control everything. God did not make that man pick up a needle and stick it into his arm. God didn't cause that. In fact, God does the opposite. God showed that man at some point ways out and ways away from that. So we need to, to remember that and keep that in mind. Um, so um, our relationship with God, sometimes we can base it on emotions, on how we're feeling. Um, and our feelings will lead us astray. You hear people say all the time, well, we're, we're going to seek for divorce um, irreconcilable differences is the number one reason for divorce. Um, and what you're basically saying is, well, we fell out of love. And you hear that all the time. We fell out of love. Well, we talked about this earlier. Love, that agape love that we're told to have, that's a choice. That's not a feeling. There's Greek words, there's different words for love, but the agape love is a self-sacrificing choice. It's a choosing to love. You know, there is no, I fell out of love. No, you chose to stop loving your spouse. You chose to stop loving your brother. You chose to stop loving your friend. You chose that. It's not a feeling. Um, and our feelings do lead us astray. Um, just like our, our relationship with God. Jesus made it clear that there's two commandments that we need to follow. Love the Lord God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And love our neighbors, ourselves. And if we follow those two, then we follow the whole, all the law. And, and that's, a, that's love for God that we talk about is that self-sacrificial love. I'm going to choose to love God today. I'm going to choose to love my spouse today. I'm going to choose to love my neighbor today. Um, so we can, choose, we can choose this day who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve God? Are we going to follow and obey him? Um, are we going to give that self-sacrificing love to him and to those around us? Or are we going to choose to, to love ourselves, to serve ourselves to feed ourselves. I have the right to be angry. You know, I have the, the right to, to say this. 
not everything that comes to my mind is supposed to come out of my mouth. I guarantee that. You know, so, so that's our choice today. And we can choose who we serve. And, and you can leave here today and ask for God's mercies and ask for forgiveness and know that he will forgive you. He casts your sins as far away as the east is from the west. He never brings them up again. He doesn't hold them over our heads. He loves us. He adores us. He sent his son to die for us. And that's our choice to receive that. So, so let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I thank you for your sacrifice for our sins. I thank you for, for paying the penalty that, that we could not pay. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can stand on your word, that your word is true, that your word is infallible, that your word is accurate, that you promises you make to us in here are guarantees. Money in the bank, paid in full. Um, and if you're here today, if, if you have have always thought of, of Jesus in your head, but have never received him in your heart. I want to invite you to that opportunity right now. That you can receive Jesus today. That you can do what we heard about in Romans 10.9. You can ask him to forgive you, to repent of your sins. That you can confess with your mouth that he is God. And that you can receive him into your heart. And that prayer goes something like this. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. I ask that you would come into my life. I want to follow you. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. I just want you to, Jesus, I just want you to do a work in my heart and in my life. And if you prayed that prayer, then you're sealed. It's a done deal. You are a child of God. You are forever his. There is no taking you out of his hands. The Bible makes that very clear. That he loves us, each and every one. Jesus, I thank you for all you do. And I just ask that you would help us to be a light and a witness to you. That you would draw us closer to you. That you would help us to be a light and a witness in our workplace and in our communities. That we would choose to deny ourselves each day, pick up our cross, and follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So at the end, we've been opening it up to questions or comments. Shan usually has comments. So. But any questions you have, I do, I do struggle with, uh, you know, my mind goes 10 different directions all the time. You know, sometimes I misspeak things, misread things. If that happens, please ask. I won't be embarrassed. You won't offend me. Huh? Did I say something wrong? See, the Bible. Okay. Do you have any comments, questions or questions? You're good. Can you, can I hit Julie back? No. No. No, I just, I did, and then the dogs interrupted me. I didn't have something in my brain that I was thinking uh-huh. when you were talking. You lost it. Not a squirrel. That's all right. That's all right. Well, if there's no questions or comments, then we'll just close with one last song, and, and we'll go enjoy our day with our family.